Welcome to Dear Runner Bod, the pod dedicated to helping you embrace your runner's body. I'm Serena Moriardi, a registered dietitian and body image coach who wants you to stop dieting and start fueling the athlete within. While I am a medical professional, the information on this podcast is for educational purposes only and is not meant to diagnose, treat, or cure. Now, let's start rewriting your body's story. We have another review of the week to share, and I'm so excited and also extremely grateful because after I begged you (laughs) to post these uh, review of the weeks, I got a bunch submitted. So I really appreciate you. Um, Truly, it just means so much. Not only because it makes me feel good to know that the podcast helps you, but because when you leave that review, it tells Apple Podcasts to share the podcast with more people and more people can learn to love and accept and embrace their runner Bod, which is our mission. So this week's winner is Kay Rena, and what she had to say was so informative and positive. Serena breaks things down in a way that's easy to understand and put into practice, both in running and life in general. Recommended for all female athletes. Thank you so much, Kay. I really appreciate it. And because you left a review, you are the winner of a masterclass. You get to choose. There's one on hydration. There's one on body image. There's one on sugar cravings. Whichever one you like, you can have just because you left a review. So please message me at Serena Marie RD or email me Serena at Serena Marie RD.com and claim your free prize. And if you are listening and you're really jealous, you can win a free prize too. Simply leave a review on Apple podcast. And if I choose yours and read it on the pod, you will win a free masterclass. A hot mess right now because I'm kind of trying to figure out how to reorient the office after finally um, treating myself in a big way and getting myself a Peloton tread. Uh, I got it around Black Friday. It was delivered in December. And even though now it is end of January, I've just kind of been living in this limbo where I'm trying to figure out, do I want to wallpaper uh, the wall that's behind my desk? Uh, do I, I did. I did. I'm very excited about this. Um, I bought some of those like fancy um, like metal hanger racks that you can put on your wall and hang your metals. I've had a lamp these last few years that I was hanging the metals from. And even though the lamp is like such a unique, cool way to display your metals, it's really big and clunky. And it just like, it just like didn't look good. (laughs) I feel bad because my husband gave it to me as our, like it was the first gift he ever gave me. Um, And it was so thoughtful and it has a lot of like sentimental value to me, but it just is ugly. So um, I had to, I had to do something about it finally. So yeah, this is how my brain works when it comes to decorating. I get so paralyzed and just, I'm really struggling here. So anyway, all that to say, my office is a little bit of a hot mess. You, uh, If you're watching this on video, you can see my uh, light in the background that I use for recording reels, and you can see my treadmill and all the things. Um, that said, I am not – I will take – 
the the limbo because having a treadmill has been so amazing. Um, I was talking a little bit at the end of 2023 on Instagram about how like there were all these really silly things I feel guilty about as a runner. Things like not, you know, working out first thing in the morning when I wake up. Um, you know, I was doing that during marathon training, but now that my workout schedule is less intense, I really do prefer to wake up. I like to work in the morning. My brain is clear. Um, I don't have so many messages from clients and and then drink some coffee, eat some breakfast, and then work out more in the mid after or the mid morning. And I have this really weird like guilt about it because for so long um, in my 20s, I had internalized like waking up at the crack of dawn to work out as this like really intense, hardcore thing I did. Um, and so like, you know, it is a little bit of death to the ego of realizing, hey, I actually really like chill, slow mornings. I know things will change um, if we ever have a family, but uh, for the time being, it is really nice to have a slow start to my day. Um but that said, the Peloton tread makes it so easy to just kind of work my runs around my schedule. This isn't like an ad for Peloton tread. <laughs> I do love the Peloton tread, but like any treadmill, it's just been really nice to have access to it, especially it's been cold here. It's been rainy. Um, and I am a person who like loves running and her sports bra and shorts. Like I hate layering up. I'd much rather just like kind of be, um, you know, as minimally clothed as possible <laughs> and go running. I don't know why. Something like very freeing about the experience. So it's really nice to have a treadmill. Um, and I also have been doing this thing. I don't know. I mean, you're, you're, you maybe don't work on Instagram for a living. And so maybe this advice won't be as helpful to you. But I think we all doom scroll. Um, but some really amazing advice I had gotten in December that I've done a really good job of following through on is – Whenever I know I'm getting on Instagram to scroll for whatever reason, sometimes I'm editing reels, sometimes I'm answering DMs, sometimes I'm just like, I want to scroll through um, reels to look at the trending music, or sometimes it's like, I want to just, you know, doom scroll, like I'm in the mood. Um, I do it while walking. And so having the treadmill has also made that easier because First of all, I don't have to worry about like walking into incoming traffic while I'm glued to my phone. Um, but also it's just – it's in my office. So I, instead of sitting in my butt in my chair on my phone, I can jump on the treadmill and walk really slow but still get some movement in. And that's been really, really life-changing. So if you struggle with doom scrolling, um, I would love to encourage you to try it out. See if, you know, setting um, an intention to walk while doom scrolling, I, I really keeps me present. It keeps me from like losing an entire hour of my life on Instagram and really kind of keeps me uh, focused on the task at hand. That has been really such a like amazing life hack. I'm kind of babbling here, but like the other life hack I have, not that you asked me, um, is somebody had given me, my cousin, my cousin Chris, gave me a magic bullet. I think literally, if I don't exaggerate, it was the summer I was getting married. So it was 2022. Okay. So it's been like a year and a half, let's say he gave it to me. And um, it has been sitting like on in, in a cupboard, like right under my counter. So like super accessible, like not hard to get. It's not like I had to like climb on a stool to get it, but I have never used it because it was 
like underneath something and therefore I didn't see it. And I always talk to clients about smoothies and some of us are in the camp of like, I love smoothies. They are so easy. They are yummy. They're cold. They're satisfying. And then some of us are in the camp of like, I can't deal with cleaning the blender. Like it's too many steps. And I always was in the like, it's too many steps camp. Like I'd rather just make a bowl of cereal. I'd rather just like make half a sandwich. And now what I did, little uh, little life-changing moment for me, was I put the magic bullet on the counter. Now, first of all, yes, it's ugly. Like I don't want this black little robot machine on my counter. And if you were coming over my house, I would hide it. <laughs> but for me, when it's just me and Anthony, I'm like, you know what, dude? This makes my life so much easier to keep the protein powder on the counter, keep the magic bullet on the counter. Magic bullet is really easy to wash. Like my Vitamix is definitely more like involved if I need to rinse it and wash it. It's not hard, but it takes more time. Magic bullet is so quick and easy and fast. Again, I'm not sponsored. I just like, this is like a life hack. And it has just really encouraged me to get more protein and vegetables. I have been making smoothies. I am really, really, really obsessed with the brand Ghost, G-H-O-S-T. Again, not sponsored, um, but it just tastes really good. I have cereal milk flavor and milk chocolate flavor. Um, so this week I've been doing cereal milk with some kind of cashew milk um, and uh, what's it called? Riced cauliflower and then some kind of fruit, whether it's mango or pineapple. Um, and if when I have bananas, I'll add banana. I ran out of bananas a few days ago. And it's just been like a really delicious, like frothy, ice creamy type situation. It is delicious. I'm really enjoying it. Um, and it just gets me another 30 grams of protein, which is excellent. Okay. So those are my life hacks. You didn't ask, but I shared anyway. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. I feel like sometimes I just get down to business here. And as I've shared with you before, it's no secret. This is my favorite way to chat with you guys and talk to you. Um, I've had a few of you Instagram message me and like kind of respond to things I'm saying on the pod and it makes me so happy. Um, So yeah, maybe me sharing a little bit more about, I don't know, day-to-day stuff isn't a bad idea on here. Okay, so what are we talking about today? We're talking about we're talking about biofeedback. Okay, so I'm kind of intentionally using this fancy word because I'm curious if it's going to pique your curiosity, right? I think a lot of times when we talk about food freedom, intuitive eating, sports nutrition, all the things I believe in, it is so boring, right? Like I am so boring. I'm like, drink more water eat more carbs and protein and vegetables. You're like sitting there and you're like, there's these influencers that are telling me to like climb Mount Kilimanjaro and eat, you know, salt crystals from the earth while um, dipping my toes in freezing cold water. Like there's all these like sexy, fun, cool, hot tips on Instagram. And then I'm like, drink more water. I mean, I'm boring. I'm so boring. And here's the cool thing about being boring. It makes it way easier and more affordable to do the things I'm recommending for the rest of your damn life, which is what you need to do. Um, But that said, it's boring. So is the word biofeedback not boring? Doesn't that sound like kind of sexy? It sounds kind of like Serena's cool. (laughs) 
<laughs> so I'm trying to be cool. And but really what I'm saying to you is like, can I give you a, a fancy word that makes you trust your own body? Um this is so funny, but I'm going to talk about another gadget. I am not like Miss Technology, but here we are talking about three gadgets, one episode. What is going on? Okay. So I started wearing an Apple Watch again. I took a very long hiatus from my Apple Watch. I should do a whole episode on this actually at some point. Um, and I took a break from my Apple Watch because I was getting really kind of antsy and triggered by the closing the rings thing, I was doing um, like the compete who closes the rings first or whatever competitions they have with my sisters. And I was getting like really kind of like into the competitions and it was causing me to ignore my body, right? Because I am saying I need to beat my sister um, instead of, hey, Serena, does your body need rest? I was saying to myself like, oh, I need to close my rings instead of reminding myself like, hey, you've worked out really intensely a few days this week. Like I think a day of just laying on the couch and not closing your rings would actually be beneficial. And so I did get an Apple Watch this year and, and I can proudly report that in the last month I've been wearing it. I have had many days where I haven't closed my rings and I'm not competing with anyone, even though I'm not going to lie, I really do love competing with my sisters and beating their butts and they're really good competitors. They're all, they're both very good athletes. Um, Oh my goodness. I am so, uh, I am so rambly today. But the thing about the Apple Watch that is cool is it's giving you feedback about your body. And as women living in 2024, we are all about that tracking, that data, that feedback. We are runners. We are type A. We love numbers. We love graphs. We love data. And again, this is where intuitive eating sometimes can feel really kind of like intangible, because it isn't about tracking your calories. It isn't about tracking, closing your rings, right? It's all about listening to your body. It's all about building a relationship with your body where you can talk to her, trust her. When I say her, I'm talking about your body. You can listen to your body. You can trust your body. She is an important teammate that you have faith in and confidence in. And so we are so trained as women of 2024 to reference our phone for data, to reference our Apple Watch for data, that we have become truly disconnected from listening to our body's cues, right? Like we are so much more likely to say, I think I'm feeling like this, but like I need to Google it. Like <laughs> I think I'm feeling like this, but let me check my Apple Watch, right? Like um, I have had so many times where athletes will be like, I'm feeling really good, but my Garmin told me I'm unproductive today. And I'm like, dude, like the Garmin is a machine. It is imperfect metric. Like we can trust you. We can trust the trends of how you're feeling in your body. Um, so again, I get we love data. I'm a runner too. I, I totally understand where you're coming from here. But I think it's really sad that we kind of put more onus on what the Garmin is saying, what the Apple Watch is saying, what Google tells you when you, you know, put your symptoms in rather than listening to the divine wisdom of our body. Um, so I kind of wanted to throw something at, out at you, which is what if when we enter a nutrition journey, rather than saying, I need to weigh myself, I need to take progress pictures, I need to measure um, my hips, my waist, my butt, whatever. 
I need, I need this like data, this hardcore numbers. I need that in order to back up that I am doing a good job. I was trying to figure out a way to marry these two ideas. Like how do we go from not completely giving all our power away to the machines, to the robots, to the Garmin, to the scale. How do we take the power back from the robots? Um, (laughs) I feel like this could be like a sci-fi episode. How do we take our power back and really kind of start to trust our body and listen to our body? And maybe we can use numbers to get you to buy in to this idea that we can collect biofeedback, right? Um, So I wanted to kind of go over some ideas of like how we can kind of reclaim that um, proprioception, that attunement, that ability to listen to our best teammate, our most important teammate, who is our body. Okay, so we're going to kind of go through a list today, and I think for me personally, if you gave me this list, I would be extremely overwhelmed. There are so many options here, and if you really love data and lists, like knock yourself out, homegirl, write them all down, like let's do this thing, (laughs) but if you're like, Serena, I can't track all that crap, like I don't got time for that perfectly fine. Pick one, two, three, maybe up to five. I think even five is a little overwhelming. Pick a few things to just kind of track and pay attention to in a journal or a note in your phone um, or Google document um, and see and see if you notice any differences. Now, we're kind of, uh, I'm kind of jumping the gun here. So maybe we want to do a collection period where we start to, before we make any changes to our nutrition, we collect some data. We look at um, some of these biofeedback metrics I'm going to give you. And then um, maybe we do this wash period. Look at us. We're like literally doing a study together. You didn't know you were signing up for a study when you tuned into this episode today. Um, We're going to do a wash period where we're going to literally just live your life, track some data. Maybe we do it for a week, two weeks, a month, whatever the heck you want to do. And then what we can do is start implementing some sports nutrition goodness and then try and see if it makes a difference in your biofeedback metrics. I'm getting so excited just talking about this. So um, for instance, you might just you know pick some of the metrics that we're going to talk about here and write them in a journal, write them on a note in your phone, and just start tracking it for the next week or two. And then you're going to pick some sports nutrition tactics to take. Maybe you're going to start fueling pre-workout if you don't don't do that already. Maybe you're going to be a little bit more intentional about your pre-workout, right? Like sometimes when I start working with someone, if they're really new to fueling pre-workout snacks, I say, hey, why don't we just start with some applesauce, right? Like it's not a lot. It's maybe depending on the brand, 15, 20 grams of carb. Uh, definitely not ideal for, for anyone, <laughs> but if it's better, than, it's better than nothing. It trains our gut. And maybe you say to yourself, I'm actually going to really follow sports nutrition guidelines. I'm going to aim for one to four grams per kilogram body weight of carbohydrate at my pre-workout snack. I'm going to do the math. I'm going to figure out what that is. And then I'm going to have um, a bagel with jelly and peanut butter before my run. I'm going to have uh, a tube Pop-Tarts. Just depends on who you are and what kind of training you're doing that day, whichever would be the best option for you. Maybe we decide to 
get curious about adding more carbohydrate to breakfast, lunch, and dinner rather than just using non-starchy vegetables and fruits as our primary source of carbohydrate. Maybe we start getting a little bit more intentional about protein. Maybe if you're marathon training, you add a bedtime snack that is really rich in hitting that 20 to 30 grams, um, ideally, of dairy protein. Um, I mean, there's so many things that we can do here, right, to start tweaking and making adjustments to your nutrition. Maybe if you're an athlete who um, is getting her cycle and is trying to work on having less painful periods and better um, symptoms in PMS, maybe you start adding some uh, ground flaxseed and alfalfa sprouts and edamame to get some phytoestrogens to help with um, estrogen detoxification in the body, right? Like there's all these different things that we can do in sports nutrition. And so just pick one or two. I would even just pick one. Maybe you drink more water. Hello. We talked all about how I'm boring and I didn't even mention the most boring thing of all. Maybe you go from being one of those dried up raisin runners who have like two cups of water a day and one cup of coffee or 300 cups of coffee a day and you become a luscious mango, juicy mango and you hydrate yourself like the runner you are and you start drinking 80, 100 ounces of water a day and you take minerals with that water. You take some kind of sports drink to add electrolytes to it. Um, oh, that is a that is a freaking bomb sports nutrition advice. Do that. If you're, if you're a dried up raisin runner, do that one. Become a juicy mango. I want to see juicy mango trending on Instagram. <laughs> no one's going to have any idea what we're talking about, but you and I will get it. And it will be brilliant. Um, okay, cool. Okay, so I just gave you some ideas for sports nutrition, right? Obviously, if you need more tips, you can follow my Instagram at Serena Marie RD. I have so many nutrition tips on there for free. Listen to previous episodes of the pod. You can always send me a DM at Serena Marie RD if you want to chat more. Okay, so what are the biometrics? <laughs> what are the biofeedback metrics that I keep talking about and just not telling you? Let's go through them. So the first one I want to talk about is heart rate. So I know there's a lot of you who track your heart rate while you're running. You're trying to focus on staying in zone two or you know zone three or whatever. Um, you're trying to um, focus on low heart rate running maybe. Maybe it's just something like you're not strictly following, but you're curious about it. Like you're aware of the fact that, hey, I have a tendency to do easy runs in zone three and I'm a really I'm realizing that that's really not the best. I really should be more in that zone too, right? It's really hard to do, guys. I completely feel your pain. Um so something I have noticed really frequently in my female runners is one of the first things they will notice is when they start adding a pre-run snack in and, you know, an adequate pre-run snack. Like I said, not just the, the packet of applesauce, although sometimes that does make a difference too, um, but <laughs> really starting to fuel correctly, adding carbs to breakfast, lunch, dinner, adding the pre-workout snack, like just adding more energy, period, like having enough energy to support the fact that you're an athlete, um, something I will notice is that they will notice their runs, um, they can sustain an effort at a lower heart rate. So they'll be like, this is amazing, but I was doing hill repeats today and my heart rate didn't spike as high as usual. Or on my easy run today, I was able to run a little faster than usual and keep my heart rate um, still lower. And the reason for this is that, you know, low energy availability 
aka dieting, aka what every Instagram influencer on planet Earth is selling you, is a state of chronic stress. We have to remember like our body is this very connected system. So you're just focused in on like must lose fat. You're just thinking about losing fat, but your nervous system is sitting there and she's like, well, dude, this sucks, right? Like I am chronically stressed. I am chronically in a state or flight of fight um, or sometimes freeze. We will talk about that some other time, but your, your nervous system is freaking out. And so you go running and remember running is a stressor to the body and your body's like, well, dude, I can't handle this right now. Like my heart rate is going to spike super quickly because I don't have this flexibility in my nervous system because I'm chronically stressed from underfueling. So one of the things you could track is noticing what your heart rate is um, during an easy run, during a speed workout, during a hill run, especially if you're doing like the same course over and over again. Like if one day you're, you know, running a hill in Colorado and the next day you're running a hill in Pennsylvania, like it's going to be very different, right? But if you're like, oh, I always do the same hill on Main Street, that's a really good way to kind of start to measure if nutrition is playing any important role there. Okay. So that's one. We can think about heart rate. Another thing we can think about is recovery. Maybe we can make a scale of one to five, with five being like, I wake up in the morning, I feel fresh as a newborn baby, my legs are fresh, I feel great, I feel ready to like take on the day, and one being like, I feel like a pile of dog poop, like my legs hurt, they're heavy, I'm tired. I don't, I feel like I just ran my workout, even though it was a day ago or two days ago. Like I am not feeling good. And we can just kind of use that scale of one to five to get curious about do do you have more ones and twos than you have fours and fives, right? Like, am I staying at three? Like it's so weird, but like no matter what I do, I'm always at a three. Because if we're noticing we're always in the first part of that scale, the crappy part of that scale, the one, the two, then we want to get curious about if I really was intentional about my post-workout nutrition, if I was really intentional about giving my body adequate energy availability on a daily basis, what would happen to my recovery? I mean, I know what's going to happen, but like I need you to prove it to yourself, right? Okay, what about energy levels? Same thing. We can do the scale of one to five. Five is I have more energy than my toddler. Let's race, bitch. Okay, and then like one is I am a snail uh, drying out in the sun. <laughs> I am a runner raisin all dried up and I'm also feeling like a snail. Okay. So my point is not like running, like not like snails are slow and that's bad, but just like if we're thinking about, uh, a wild animal, snails are probably are an animal. Maybe they're a bug. I don't know. Are snails an animal or a bug? I have no idea. I think it's a bug. But anyway, if I had to choose a wild bug or a wild animal to be, I would not choose a snail. So I'm assuming you feel the same as me. So if we want the energy of a newborn baby or a toddler rather than a snail, then we want to start tracking that and paying attention. Am I a one and a two most days or am I a five? 
Okay. And then performance, same thing. We can do a scale one to five. And I think with performance, it's a little bit more nuanced, especially because I know as a runner, uh, I tend to be very hard on myself and I'm like, I could have gone faster. I could have been better. So this one might be a little bit too subject to interpretation. We might need your coach to interpret the data for you um, using things like looking at heart rate and comparing um, you know, previous times and previous efforts to current efforts. But if you are feeling like a reliable historian of your workouts, then we can also start measuring performance using that scale of one to five. Sugar cravings. Um, this was one that was like so important and motivational for my transition from dieting to food freedom, but just kind of noticing um, did I have a sh- did I have really crazy sugar cravings today? Yes or no? Yes or no question. Was it did I feel and and if you don't struggle, okay, hmm, this I guess this is subject to interpretation. My opinion. <laughs> is a sugar craving isn't like, oh, I want some, I want a piece of chocolate with lunch. Cool. Have a piece of chocolate with lunch. Like if we need to have, like, if we have a guilt trip about wanting to have a piece of chocolate at lunch, oh my goodness, like let that go. Who cares? It's a piece of chocolate. Like who cares? Who cares? (laughs) I'm dismissing how you feel, which is horrible. And I'm super happy to talk to you in more detail. But I'm really just trying to like illustrate a point. A piece of chocolate at lunch and dinner, a piece of chocolate in between meals, no biggie. What I'm talking about is like I want to eat a a huge slice of cake every day. I want to eat half a pint of ice cream every day. Like I am obsessively thinking about – the fruit loops that I bought for my toddler in my kitchen. Like I am fixated on getting these high sugary, like highly palatable sugary foods. Like I eat, I'm eating my salad with tuna and quinoa for lunch, but I'm thinking about brownies. Um, like, or like that fixation on sugar, those sugar cravings. Yes. No. Do I have that today? Yes. Am I having more yeses where every day this is a major thing that I'm spending a lot of time and energy thinking about and worrying about and wanting and craving and fighting in my psyche? Something to acknowledge because that goes away when we work on food freedom, when we work on getting your body physiologically enough sugar that your brain and your liver aren't fighting to have enough carbohydrate availability to support your athleticism, right? Like if you are having these crazy cravings for these high calorie sugary foods, it is not a sign of weakness. It is not a sign that you have a sugar addiction. It is a signal from your body that there is something off kilter. Like you are not getting enough energy availability. You are not using soothing mechanisms um, for your nervous system. I like to tell my athletes, we want to first take care of physiological hunger. Make sure that you are eating enough carbohydrate to support activity, to support sex hormone production, to support all the things. And then once we iron that out, I would say for a lot of people, the sugar cravings disappear. And um, for those of you who does not disappear, that's when we can start working on that like emotional nervous system regulation because you may be using the the comfort of eating the yummy, delicious food to um, support 
other systems in the body besides just like physiological need for carbohydrate. And again, I struggled with all that myself. So I am here to let you know, one, I don't judge you if you struggle with that because I was stuck in that cycle for so many years. And then two, um, there is a solution. Like, I got you, girl. Like, you're going to be okay. I promise. But just it's a yes or no question, sugar cravings. Looking at our cycle, looking at our periods, is are we having bad PMS that month where we're having pain, we're having um, a lot of um, mood swings and irritability? Looking at our cycle, is it really heavy and really long? Looking at our cycle, is it really, really light? Are we skipping periods? These are signs that we are missing the mark nutritionally. If you are in perimenopause um, or menopause, looking at symptoms of um, how severe is my perimenopause, right? Like am I having a lot of hot flashes? Am I having um, a lot of that discomfort that comes along with um, the the mood swings, like those things? Now, I don't want to say that's 100% a nutrition issue because that that's not true, but it is something to get curious about because under fueling during perimenopause and menopause makes it worse because our um, adrenal glands play an important role in picking up the slack once the ovaries stop working or stop being consistent. And so we don't want to be stressing out the adrenal glands with undernutrition. Okay. So I don't want to say it's the whole piece of the puzzle of a lot of like love and and tenderness. I don't know if that's a creepy thing to say. I have a lot of love and compassion for women going through perimenopause. Um, I've been with a lot of my clients kind of through that transition and I know how hard it can be. And so I don't want to ever like just place the blame. Like you're not eating right. Sometimes that's true, but then sometimes it's not. So just want to throw that out there. Sleep quality. Uh, again, this could be a one through five, or this could be a yes or no. Did I wake up in the middle of the night? Um, so a really common thing that happens to athletes when they're not eating enough is they will wake up in the middle of the night and they'll either feel hungry or they will wake up in the middle of the night and just kind of feel like wide awake and like panicked. And this funny enough actually can get flipped by the low carb, high fat, um, what's it called? Fat adapted community to be like, you have so much energy. Like you wake up at four o'clock in the morning, like buzzing with energy. Dude, that is called cortisol. That is called the pre-dawn effect. Everyone's body around 4 or 5 a.m., naturally what happens is cortisol starts to rise. Your body is preparing to wake up. If your cortisol, your stress hormone is so elevated that when you have the normal natural pre-dawn effect, that it is waking you up and making you feel like you just did crack cocaine, then like that is an issue. That means your nervous system is not working correctly and we need to look at what's going on there. And one of the things that could be contributing to that is that you're not eating enough, is that you're not eating enough carbohydrate, is that you're dieting too hard and your body is stressed the fuck out. So we need to um, really take a look at like am I waking up in the middle of the night hungry? Am I waking up in the middle of the night and just like feeling like panicked or like wide awake and I didn't sleep. You know, it's one thing if you go to bed at like seven and you know, you're getting like seven, eight, nine hours of sleep. Okay. That's fine. I'm not like, that's okay. But like, if you're going to bed at 11 and then waking up at four or three 30 or, or, or five even, and you're just like feeling like, um, really like buzzed and like really like 
oh my God, like almost for me, for a long time I did this. So I would wake up at like 3.30 or 4 or 4.30 and I loved it. I was like, oh my God, I'm wide awake. I'm going to go to the gym. And I would like go to the gym fasted and I would drink pre-workout and it would just be like riding this like crazy, like energy, like high energy, like buzz, but it wasn't good energy. Like which I know if you have low energy, you might be like, I envy you so much. I want that. But you don't because it was this very like, it wasn't like how I feel now. Like I have energy and I can focus and I can listen to people and I feel, I feel calm even though I'm energized versus that feeling was this like, I would like constantly have trouble paying attention. I felt like very um I, I almost felt like I didn't have attention to detail because I was just kind of like in this like high alert, like like almost like when you're um like if you feel afraid because you hear a noise in your house at night and you're alone or like out on the streets when you're alone, and all of a sudden you're like high alert, you have energy, but you're like high alert looking around to get like you think you're gonna like die. That is a lot of energy, but you can relate to how like that's not good energy, right? Like that's like scared, panicked, high stressed cortisol energy. We want like I have energy because my body is calm and rested and has enough ATP energy to fuel all the systems, not I'm on this crazy adrenaline spike. Okay, so hopefully that makes sense, but kind of just kind of judging what is my sleep quality? Am I waking up in the middle of the night? Yes or no? Am I waking up hungry? Yes or no? How like how am I feeling when I wake up in the morning? We can start asking yourself these questions. Um, and then I also want to talk about like your mood. Again, mood can have multiple reasons for being affected, right? I'm not saying nutrition is the end-all be-all here, but I will say if you're a person who is under eating and you're struggling with anxiety or depression, this is a good place to start because um, I am, you know, very confident in telling you that when you are underfeeding yourself, when you are chronically dieting, and this applies if you're like dieting and then you're binging, you're like, how am I under eating? Like every Saturday I eat everything in the kitchen and like then, you know, Sunday through Friday I am repenting by eating 1500 calories or 1200 calories or whatever crazy diet you're doing. That is still underfueling. <laughs> like, you know, like most of the week, you are not giving your body enough energy to do the things it needs to do to feel good. So, um, again, if we think about our nervous system, if we are chronically underfueling, we're putting ourselves in this stressed out state, not going to help mood. If we're thinking about our brain, our brain is a very expensive system to run, right? It's like, it's like if you think of like, um, like charging the battery, your your brain needs food to charge the battery and needs a lot of it. So if you are under eating, what happens is your your brain kind of like shuts down certain areas of it to try and conserve energy. And so we tend to feel lower mood because we're more in this like uh, the 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 older part of the brain, the amygdala. We're more in this like part of the brain that is really focused on fear and kind of looking out for danger um, versus being in like our full human brain that can kind of experience these vast um, amounts of emotions. So we just want to kind of be aware that we might feel lower mood or irritable when we have um, not enough food to fuel the system. We could also even talk about a whole separate thing, which is just how your gut microbiome 
um, affects mood as well and serotonin production. So if you were under eating, um, a lot of times what happens is that gut microbiome gets populated by like the bad bacteria, quote unquote. And so that can also play a role in serotonin production. So we really just want to be paying attention to mood, kind of just noting like, was I overall in a good mood today or a bad mood today? Did I feel depressed today? Like, and again, this isn't always related to nutrition, but it's just one of those things that's kind of easy. And it's like, Start there, see if eating more helps. And then if it doesn't, of course, please go get the support you need. Maybe even before you start eating more, go get the support you need um, and do it in tangent, right, with eating more. So getting a therapist, um, letting your doctor know how you're feeling. Mental health is so important. So I just, I really want to encourage you to, to prioritize your mental health. I think this one kind of goes along with the sugar cravings thing, but just paying attention to binge frequency. Um, If you're noticing that, you know, on the regular, you are eating all your kids' leftovers while you're cleaning up the kitchen, um, you're feeling out of control around food, like you, like, it's almost like you're eating all the food and then you look up and you're like at the table and you're like, oh my God, I just ate all that ice cream and all those potato chips, like, and all that peanut butter. How did I do that? That is a really powerful sign from your body that she is not getting enough food. So if you are binging, yes, no question, did I binge today? And if you're noticing that you're binging, I mean, I would even say once a week is – is, is a sign. So we shouldn't really be binging regularly, like binging. Um, and, and again, I binged for so long, so this is not to say this with judgment, but it is a very unpleasant feeling. And so as a human being, we seek pleasure. And so if our body is so desperate for calories that you're binging on a regular basis and dealing with that consequence of, I am so uncomfortable in my body. Like I am so full. I feel sick. Um, there's something deeper going on there. Because at this point in my journey where I have taken care of the physiological needs and taken care of all the emotional stuff I needed to take care of, um, I mean, sure, I overeat sometimes, absolutely. But like it's infrequent because overeating is uncomfortable and I am trying to be comfortable in my skin. Okay, so those are my biofeedback metrics for you. I hope you um, took a few that you can kind of write down and track for a little bit and just pay attention to. And then maybe, like I said, do a little experiment and see if adding the water or adding um, the pre-workout snack or adding the extra carbs or focusing on the protein or the nutrient-specific foods for your menstrual cycle, those things can all play an important role in helping you feel better. And and again, like taking the power away from your Garmin, your Apple Watch, your MyFitnessPal, like whatever it is that you use to kind of um, a judge if you're feeling good in your own body. I really want to empower you to use tools that come from within to really feel comfortable with trusting your body. Um, and I hope that biofeedback list just helps you. If you notice you're still struggling um, as you kind of are doing this experiment and you need support, send me a DM on Instagram at Serena Marie RD. If this podcast episode was helpful, if you enjoyed it, you can share it. You can um, give me a review on Apple Podcasts. It means the world. Or give me a five-star review on Spotify. And um, like I said, if you want to DM me and let me know um, if you're a juicy mango, that would just make me so happy to hear your juicy mango. So (laughs) I'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Dear Runner Bod. If you enjoyed what you heard, remember to subscribe and make sure you share today's episode. 
Also, if you're looking to download a free three-step guide to love your runner's bod, then head to serenamarierd.com. Can't wait to chat with you next week.